Welcome to Subdurbs Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And we're going to talk a little bit... Uh, I shouldn't have us on sound in the other window. Anyway, today we're going to talk a little bit about some more, <laughs> about some more MCU um, uh, movies, because that's all we do now. This is an MCU podcast forever this and always. This is fucking MCU... Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, movies uh, that we've already talked about, actually, every yeah. single one of them. Well, I mean, at this point, right? The early half we didn't, but... Um, yeah. yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, the third part of the Phase 3, which is uh, Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Captain Marvel. Um, and, uh, you know, it's these are movies, you've probably seen them, so let's let's just get into it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, what's... Uh, so, uh, Infinity... Oh, spoilers so, for all yeah, these. So the, uh, spoilers for all these. Uh, Infinity War. Yeah, so I actually watched these out of order by accident. I just, for some reason, got it in my head that Captain Marvel was the next one in the series. Um, because I remember it being early in the year, but I was like, oh, but Infinity War was a summer movie, but it came out the next year. So I watched Captain Marvel, Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp by mistake. But I have like a million thoughts about Infinity War. Overall, um, my opinion of Infinity War is pretty bad. I do not think this movie has aged very well and in fact the time since it has come out um and watching all of these movies in like a gigantic chunk infinity war is actually like truly bad in my opinion like quality wise a lot of a lot of the time i always i always like kind of qualify this like it's not my thing but i think it's fine right like it does the it does it does stuff that gets on my nerves maybe but it doesn't have like core fundamental mistakes in like the storytelling or like flaws in like the storytelling infinity war absolutely has those and it was glaring you know this time around like maybe because we're watching them in in like order maybe because like the kind of mystery hype has died down and is like gone uh, but just for some reason i just watched infinity war and i was like wow this is like this is like a bad movie, actually. And the funny thing is, is that I actually still kind of like it. I think I something I said a long time ago was that um, as an action movie, I might be able to just get into it, right? Because a lot of the times this happens where, like, if the action is good and, like, gripping, then I can just rewatch something, even if it's, like, not so great. Like, so, for instance, I don't think the Hobbit movies are particularly good, but I can watch them end to end, end easily because I just think the action is compelling. Um, and it's just, like, an easy thing to kind of, like, draw my eye and my attention. And Infinity War absolutely has that quality. Also, I actually think the, the storytelling is, like, legitimately ambitious. I think a lot of my feelings at the time kind of got muddled in that conversation around, like, oh, Thanos is the hero of the story or whatever, which is obviously not true. Yeah. But he is the protagonist of the story. And it does have pretty interesting and unique story structure for uh like for a, a film especially like this gigantic you know like mainstream sort of like blockbuster film and so it doesn't it, and so it, and it has all these other problems obviously that are like real substantive problems um but i do have to but i like i have to weirdly kind of give it that extra credit because there is stuff in here that is good that i that i missed the first time and there's stuff in here that is bad that is woefully woefully terrible um so yeah so from my perspective i don't think i had i had the same kind of like reaction that you did um like the, the kind of back reaction but uh you know uh i also it also fell in my eyes a bit um uh something in particular that hit me uh this time around like so i i, I basically find it to be 
serviceable, but like, you know, not not as good as I remember it being. And also like, you know, whatever. The, th- the thing that really bothered me this time, and uh, maybe I should start cursing you for, uh, for, for cursing me with realizing this, but like, uh, you know, the Marvel humor just like really grated on me this time around. Like the whole, <laughs> like the whole Doctor Strange, Tony Stark interchange, like just like, you know, I said last time that, that uh, the Hulk crashing into the bridge is the worst moment of Marvel humor. I think it might actually be better than the whole Ben and Jerry's inter interaction that happens like at the beginning of the movie. Just like, I was just like, really? They like, I, I had to go back and watch it and do like, like, you know, it's in terms of like, you know, tense things are happening and they go on this like dumb diversion. Cause like at least the Hulk slamming into the bridge had some slapstick value. I don't think it was even like funny in like, you know, like a, like a normal sense. <laughs> I agree with that actually, to be honest. I mean, I actually think the Marvel of humor in a lot of this was basically fine. I still think Dr. Strange is the worst uh, offender when it comes to just like really bad Marvel humor, really like ruining the, the, the tough moments. Um, but like you know, like there's a lot of um, there's a lot of like offhand references, like when Star Lord calls him grimace, or when uh, Tony calls the guy Squidward. Those moments graded on me the first time I remember, but now they're just kind of in stride because like you know, it's just like superheroes saying one-liners. That that yeah. stuff is like fine. But there are a couple of moments in the narrative where like these little these little you know, needly exchanges pop up that just, like, make me want to shoot myself. Um, yeah, and so to, to that point, I, I think I do agree with you that a lot of it works. I, I think the the problem with a lot of um, uh, with a lot of the Marvel humor is that, not that, like, it's always bad, it's that, like, there is so much of it that some of them are just bound to miss, right? Like, um, the, the way the way, the way way I think of it is, like, you know, there, there are some people who will tell you 10,000 jokes and, like, a lot of them and like some of them are bound to land, right? Like yeah. so. Um, Archer theory is uh, is what we call that. And I think that's a Mark Rosewater term, actually. Oh, is it? He called yeah yeah he coined it. For, I, I, there was a while where I read his weekly blogs when I was like really deep into MTG and um, and Archer theory is the idea that like if you shoot enough arrows, eventually you'll you'll get a bullseye. Uh, <laughs> so I do think that that that's like uh, that's. I guess that's a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Okay, so the Marvel humor grade on you, but like you know, what else? What 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 are, what are some of your other thoughts? Yeah. So, um, what else? It just it just feels like very kind of uh, like like I I don't think the storylines kind of meld well. Um, and this this is very nitpicky, but the thing the thing that like really stood out to me this time is you know the Wakandans all lining up and like throwing these like high high tech spear like energy spears and then. Bucky standing there with a with, with like a, a normal ass gun. I just like I burst out laughing, and you know I'm not supposed to. But I was like sitting like uh, you know obviously not a big thing, but a thing that just like stuck out in my mind is kind of yeah. Famous. This is another one of those moments where Aquaman has ruined me for this kind of thing in the same way that just like the battle at the end of Black Panther just felt like this tiny skirmish compared to the end of Aquaman. Even this felt like yeah. tiny in comparison. It's just like a handful of Wakandan guys and these alien space doggos, which also controversial opinion, the space dogs kind of suck. Um, I just, it just felt, it just felt weirdly small. Though I do in general like that big battle uh, in the same way that I, that I like it before because, so it does the thing where it's using people's powers in like fun and compelling mm-hmm. ways, uh, especially on Titan. This happens with like Dr. Strange 
making little platforms for Star-Lord to jump and Star-Lord drops a thing and they're zipping through Doctor Strange's portals. You can tell that they really like nailed that one. I mean, the Wakanda stuff is just kind of like everybody gets their little moment of like, oh, well, War Machine flies in and he bombs some guys. And then also, you know, Falcon bombs these guys. But in general, I don't I don't have a lot of complaints when it comes to the action in this film. Yeah, I, I, think, I think to your point though, like, the scale thing, I think it's just hard to do scale in, like, a superhero. Like, it works in Aquaman because he's got an army there that doesn't have to be Aquaman. When, like, the yeah. main draw of your force is supposed to be these, these like, you know, under two handfuls of guys, right? Like, um, then I, I just don't think it, it – it, you can – I don't think you can pump the scale up that much without it. Like, cause I also think Aquaman dedicated to the world building in such that, like, yeah. the Brine Kingdom – you know, you don't even have to know – you don't meet the Brine King really. He has, like, one line where he tells yeah. Orm to, like, go eat a dick. And, um – and like he, th- like that's just kind of evocative in and of itself, and you're and you just like see a sweeping shot of these siege crabs lobbing lava or whatever, and you're just like, oh, like it suggests so much more, right? Yeah, it kind of suggests this like whole military, you know, whatever. That I, I don't get that same sense out of um, I don't get that same sense out of like Wakanda or for that matter out of like Thanos's guys. It is all very personal. The most interesting part of Thanos's guys is his like little fucking lieutenants that have like you know you got the one guy with the big hook and he's like Hulk and he pop pop pumps people and then you got Squidward obviously who's telekinetic and shit like that you know so yeah 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 um. I also forgot like how like like not, I, I I felt like the, this like squad of um you know of, of of these four kind of like lieutenants I guess of, of the Chitari army right like it felt, like I remember thinking they might be interesting in Endgame and they're not interesting in Endgame so I think this might be a, like backwards looking kind of like retroactively um bad things but um I'm actually interested to hear some of some of your thoughts. He says you've got since you mentioned that you, you want to. Okay, so here's like my nuclear it. take. I don't think any of the story or character stuff like really sort of like works because almost all of it is referencing shit that's like off screen, right? So the big killer this time for me was Wanda and the Vision, right? So uh, man, I actually wrote a whole thing of this in my notes. What did I say? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is actually pretty pretty brutal. So I wrote all of these big emotional moments are failing for me, right? They're paying off things that happened just off screen, camera right, or like between films. Wanda and Vision are in love and this sacrifice that like she has to be the one to destroy the mind gem, right? Is supposed to be this meaningful thing, but it's actually really hollow. We see a single minute of them together and the like vaguely gestures at a relationship but they don't actually have like a real one right like they they kind of pretend to this relationship because the the movie just wants to get onto this fight scene in the train station or whatever this is made even worse by civil war where the revel the resolution they have at the end of that movie is entirely negative right they are on opposite sides of the civil war and wanda legitimately fucks vision up by, you know, like, sending him through the thing or whatever. So they resolved their differences off-screen, fell in love off-screen, developed these deep, dynamic, emotional ties off-screen, and then on-screen I'm supposed to care about Wanda destroying the mind. Like, it's completely un... 
unsupported, right? And that emotion, like, absolutely fell flat. But it's not just, like, there, right? So, for instance, another example of this is the is the Doctor Strange Tony stuff, where it seems to be suggesting that, like, Doctor Strange is just, like, not taking Tony or the Avengers, like, seriously at all. And he says that line where he's like, well, listen, if it's between you or the kid or the time gem, I'm choosing the fucking time gem. And at the very end, when he gives the time gem over to, like, save Tony's life, it's supposed to be, like, a meaningful, right? Like, it's supposed to be, like, a meaningful moment. But because the movie is so fast, they don't actually ever have any kind of come-to-Jesus moment where, yeah. like, Doctor Strange and Tony Stark are like, you know what? You really gave him a, a good... How do you do? You're you're all right, Doctor Strange. You know, like there's no resolution there, so the it, it it's kind of like unsupported, except for the just plot mechanics of Doctor Strange happened to see the future, and so in that instance, it's not an emotional decision at all. It's purely calculated, and in every other scenario, you can assume that Doctor Strange would absolutely have sacrificed both Tony and Spider Man without a second thought or whatever. It's just like all of that kind of combines into. Um, this just like very frustrating like uh like feeling uh it's it's kind of like i'm sitting down at my friend's house and my friend is like oh my god i have to show you the funniest youtube video of all time right and they put it on and it's like going but you don't find it funny at all and they keep looking at you like to see if you're laughing you know what i mean i feel like the movie keeps looking at me to be like are you crying yet do you see what wanda's gonna blow up the mind stone she, she loves the vision and i'm just like no i don't it's, that's just not a real thing um so that's kind of like one big piece of it i think that's really really bad and um and really destroys kind of a lot of the character stuff in the movie the other piece of this is that this movie is relentless and miserable like oh my god it is just it feels almost hateful like angrily personally trying to cause you grief almost it's like every possible thing that happens happens in such a way that it is just like brutal and i and i just like i really reacted negatively to that tone i don't know if it's like 2020 like maybe i'm just like not emotionally into this and it's like it's weird because i like that you know people complain about movies that are also like this and i love those movies right like i want the stakes to be higher i want the the drama to be like really tense or whatever but it's just like man nobody can catch a fucking break in this movie and it just feels like it's the it's the it's the heightened version of what i complained about when we were talking about civil war right where it's like the you know the building blocks that were set up in the avengers and ultron were kind of being like knocked over right and we were supposed to sort of feel this this um catharsis or whatever it was supposed to kind of like create this like oh moment in the audience to be like knocking this stuff down and this is just like the more aggressive more mean-spirited sort of like version of that if you ever like enjoyed the guardians of the galaxy if you ever enjoyed thor ragnarok even if you enjoyed i kind of forgot how bad it it turns out just for basically everyone in this movie and i guess that's kind of the point right like yeah. it is a tragedy in that in that sort of sense but it just feels like it kind of feels like the end of game of thrones for me in that way where it's just kind of like it's like just sort of designed to piss yeah. me off 
rather than like naturally occurring out of the characters. Though I will say there was one exception to that, one exception, which is Star-Lord shooting Gamora with the gun in it, I don't think it works the second time when he when he bops Thanos in the face. It didn't work for me the first time, it didn't work for me here. But the there was like you could I could really feel it when Star-Lord had to shoot Gamora and it's like bubbles. I was like, yeah. "All right, that's that's that one's real." And the thing that sucks about that one, by the way, is that it's like paying off all this shit that gets done in the Guardians movies and and blows that up. I try just, oh, I just, I really no. don't like so, it. So I, I, I disagree with you a little bit. I, I appreciate Chris, I appreciate Star-Lord like losing it at Thanos more because it like, you know, I think that is something that's like, like paid off, like that, that gets built too properly in. To be clear, he is not the problem there. The problem there is the contrivance of the Gamora stuff. I actually kind okay. of had this backwards in my mind, where I also thought it was him, but he's kind of the the end of a chain of just stuff that's like, wait, Gamora, and then Nebula is like, oh, Gamora, and they have this whole back and forth, which is just them putting together the plot, you know, the the plot moment of Thanos has killed Gamora off off screen somewhere right and and we need to inform chris pratt so that he like freaks out about it I, it is authentic for star lord to freak out about it it's just like the mechanics of them telling him is just i it i it doesn't work i think it's just way too i guess maybe because i've seen this I, i've seen this moment it doesn't feel like it's building to something natural it feels like it's building to something for the purposes of okay I see what you're saying creating the you know this losing drama yeah I, I will say I do think that um, the Spider-Man dying works. Like, I think that they, like, you know, they, they worked hard to put in the kind of, like, and, you know, Spider-Man and and Tony have, like, a, a dad-son relationship in, in that kind of way. Um, so I think, I like, I think I, I think I generally agree with you, like, in in general in the Marvel Universe, they don't put in the work they need to make the, the relationships really sing so that those emotional moments hit the way they were. They feel kind of cheap, but I think that the Peter Parker moment works and I think the Star-Lord moment works. I, so but I, I actually think the Peter WandaVision. Parker moment also sort of, like, it doesn't work for me personally because I I never really connect to either of those characters. But I do think that it kind of, like, works in the abstract. And again, I think this is because of the work that gets done in Spider-Man Homecoming where yeah. you do see the dad relationship, right? And if, and, th and that's kind of the thing, right? is it's taking these moments from the other movies that are that are there and it's like i don't know it's like tearing open it's like it's like those other movies are wrapping christmas presents and they're wrapping them really carefully and this movie is just like shredding those those boxes for christmas eve it feels like and, or on on christmas eve it feels like and it's just like ah, uh, i'm just very frustrated by a lot of um, okay. by a lot of this like emotional anticlimax so, maybe I don't. Know. I, I so I, I don't know if I, I if I can agree with. It, it sounds like you're mad that they decided to pay off some of this stuff in Infinity War, but I think that's kind of got to be the point, right? That like a lot of these were buildings so they could be paid off. The fact that they don't do it necessarily perfectly, I I, I agree with you, but I, I can't really get mad at it, right? Like for for trying to pay it off. No, I and I think it's fair to, to like try and pay it off. Um, I just think that the payoffs are just like all wrong. This is why I say Christmas Eve, not Christmas Day, right? Like you're supposed to open your gifts on Christmas morning, but this is a kid who's opening it on Christmas Eve when he's not supposed to, right? It's not like okay. it is. It is an unripe fruit, if you will. If I can just mix the shit out of my metaphors here. Uh, Thor also suffers from this, which I, honestly, this is the part that really bummed me out. I actually really liked Thor the first time, and I had very fond memories of his like little thing to go make the 
make the hammer. I remember thinking that it was like a really nice sort of downtime between all the fighting. Like here you have Rocket, Thor, and Groot just like putting like like going through the motions of of restarting this star. And Thor is you know um, he is he's so like driven. And I remember really liking the stuff with um, that he that he says to Rocket about like oh you know what more do I have to lose and everything along those sorts of lines. Um, and this time that stuff also just sort of didn't work for me, which I think is just because I watched Thor Ragnarok last fucking week. And watching the, the watching Ragnarok, which I didn't even like that much, next to this just feels so like everything that came out of that movie has just been absolutely torched. Yeah. Down it sucks. Down to <laughs> him losing the eye right like, that's the one oh, that's the one that really kills me like i actually don't mind the stormbreaker i i think that's cool right i want him to move on from mjolnir and i don't think i like i think it's neat that he's gonna pick up this new axe hammer though that also fucking bothered me they kept calling it a hammer and an axe and obviously i know that it's the same thing that one side of it is a hammer the other side of it is an axe i know the 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 thing that they're referencing, but it's just like, if you're going to refer to it as something, just be consistent. <laughs> I feel yeah. like that's just like a weird writing thing. Also, I have so many small nitpicks like that. One of the things that destroyed me was, um, Chris Pratt references, or I'm sorry, I keep calling him Chris Pratt. Star-Lord references that he's getting pudgy and he needs to get a bow flex. Star-Lord would not know what a bow flex is because he left earth in the eighties and bow flex came out in the nineties. Right? Like, that's why we all know what a Bowflex is, because they put on infomercials in the 90s all the time. And it's just like, it's, this is like the intention and detail that like really bothers me. He also makes that reference about Grimace, and I didn't look it up, but I do sort of wonder if like Happy Meals were a thing. I think they were a thing. They, they were. So, so, were. so uh, Grimace, Grimace uh, has been around for a while, I think. I think originally okay. he also like eight kids, uh, so you know. Uh, like he got, you got to make over at some point. But, uh. <laughs> the the, the Bowflex thing really caught me because like you could, I, it's just like, especially because it's something I was paying attention to in the Guardians movies. Like I realized it in Guardians two when he talks about Cheers, and I was like, what a dated reference. You know what I mean for like kids or whatever. And I thought it through, and I was like, oh well, that actually makes sense because Cheers was the biggest television show for the time when Chris Pratt would have been. When Star Lord got abducted from Georgia, right? Um, so his emotional touchstone would be Cheers. It would be Footloose, right? And so, um, and I think it was just because I'm, I'm watching them all right next to each other that I'm seeing those fucking frayed lines. Yeah. Ah. No. So, so kind of on on uh, uh, we've we've got word from the chat that Grimace first appeared in 1971. So. It is, Thank you. It is, it is, it is legitimate reference. That Thank you, Chad. You, you, you passed this one, Kevin Feige. <laughs> so, a uh, couple things. Uh, one, I think I like the. I think the the Ragnarok thing stings the most, and I think it's actually like it should because in timeline they happen like a week apart from each other, right? So like it, it should feel bad that that like everything gets done immediately. It's just that the real world timelines didn't line up. But um, any beside from that, um, the thing that, that stuck out to me is, is kind of like. I think, like, the – you just reminded me that, like, the Peter-Star-Lord interaction I think works a little bit, right? Like, you know, like, I, I kind of enjoyed the, you know, is Footloose still the greatest movie ever? It never was, right? Like, I think that line works for me. But, like, most of Peter's, like, remember that really old movie – alien right like those are just kind of like a little too much for me and maybe oh, those make me want to fucking die <laughs> <laughs> and, 
maybe that's just me being mad for for feeling old. Um, but you know, I, I you know, I just I just don't think that I, it doesn't work. It, that, that just reads incredibly inauthentic to me. I just don't think anybody talks that way. Yeah, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I have a lot of little shit like this actually now that I'm now that I'm looking at my notes. Like another one, I fucking hate Nanotech Spider Man with a passion. It's it's actually okay in the fight scene because he really doesn't use any of the nanotech bullshit. But there's that thing in um the with like the the guy or whatever where um where he's like using the spider claws. Every time those things pop out, I just like I hate it. I hate it so much. I also really kind of hate nanotech iron man to be honest um it just doesn't feel like iron man to me at that point he's just sort of um i don't know he, the, the, I, the iron man's supposed to have a suit and he shoots repulsive rays and he does a little bit of that which is which is like cool but i just like hate this like oh he nanotech's a shield he nanotech's a, a this thing and that thing i don't know i just think that's i just think that's lame um and so and like that stuff bothers me i hated that cap didn't have a fucking he I, why did they not just give him a vibranium shield with a big old star on it i missed the cap shield i wanted to see it bounce around i don't care the physics bothered me two weeks ago now i missed it i i think all like it's just like all that stuff uh, yeah <laughs> like no I, I i definitely agree with you you know it's like i remember the like, get this man a shield line which i thought was 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 fun but then it's like it's not like a good shield it's like a yeah it's like a it's shitty little like, shield. It's kind of a fisty thing. I hate that the Hulk doesn't come around. I remember liking that at the time because I thought it would pay off, but now I remember Endgame where another thing just gets completely resolved off screen, I yeah. guess, right? Like, it sets up this, like, oh, what's going on with, you know, Bruce and the Hulk? Nothing. Nothing is going on. Well, <laughs> well something went on. They just didn't show it on screen. Like, they should have showed yeah. it on screen. Like, it would have made sense if there was, like, a Hulk movie in between where he figures that out and then it comes back in Endgame, but it doesn't. Right, like, you know. So it also just feels like he was supposed to activate it at the end. You know, like Hulk doesn't want to come out in this beginning fight scene or whatever. Bruce Banner's like, fine, I'll use the Hulkbuster armor. But then you actually, I was watching the fight, and I was just like, this is perfect. He's up against another big strong guy. This big strong guy is like ripping the Iron Man, the the Hulkbuster armor apart, right? Clearly what's going to happen, or what should happen, I guess. I knew what was going to happen. But what should happen is Bruce Banner is then revealed, and he's squishy, and the Hulk zoops up, and he gets his fucking mojo back and beats up the other guy. And that didn't happen. I was just like, so, this seems not great. So I, I think I'm going to disagree with you there. I think it is important for Bruce to, like, you know, be the hero for a moment, right? Like, because he's usually not, right? Like, um... Like, I think it's important that, like, he, like, that he has a moment where he's like, you know, like, f fuck you, Hulk, I'll do it myself. And then he does the hero shit. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm a hero too, which, like, like, I, you know, like, I think the thread makes, like, the arc makes sense into Endgame. I just think they need to show more of it for it to, for it to be good. Like, like, do you, so, I don't know, um, you know, they announced WandaVision. Um, uh, do you think if they go back and, like, explore these moments and, like, as, like, in between time periods, do you think that will retroactively make this movie better? Mm, probably not okay. because I don't think that kind of supplemental material will be paced well you okay. know um, it's sort of like um, does the novelization solving plot holes of a, of a thing right um, make the plot holes in the thing better I typically say no in those scenarios though a lot of the time that happens right like people talk about you know, plot like Last Jedi plot holes or whatever that that are salt in the novelization because you can change shit. Um, 
they explain whatever you know whatever dumb thing that you know people are people are mad about but i don't really think that that it, that it kind of like answers the core frustration of like what's going on um in the scene ever uh you'll also see i mean i don't know maybe maybe wandavision could do it because it's like it's a novelization is like a different version of the thing whereas wandavision is a new thing that might like go back and touch on the old thing yeah which is i guess a little bit different so maybe but i generally think that um you know out of context clarifying of the thing that happened is not super valuable yeah okay that's fair all right. Well, we've 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 spent a while on Infinity War. We should probably oh move on. Oh my god! I have to... so many more Infinity War things, but this is fine. Yeah, we we should move on. Uh, do, do you do you have anything big you want you want to hit before we before we move on? Like, yeah. <sighs> you know, um, I I think my my real thing is I really over the course of the last couple of weeks I have really fallen in love with the first two Avengers movies. The more I see these other movies, the more I like those two. And the more those two feel like truly special in in kind of how they create these characters, how they're how they're interacting. I think something that really hit me this time is the interact in the, the interaction between Tony and Hulk, who have not seen each other for years, right? Last Tony knew Hulk was flying off in a Quinjet into yeah. God knows where. Um, and they're talking about this stuff with Steve, and you know, um, they're 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 talking about like they're the they're referring to the Civil War and stuff like that. All that stuff just feels really like hollow and unnatural. It does not feel like two friends who haven't seen each other in a long time, yeah. or a friend breaking really bad news. The Avengers broke up to another friend. It just feels like stuff they have to tick off to get to the next plot beat, which is really sad. Yeah, that's, no, that's the thing that really kills it. Uh, I, I I agree with you, and I think I think part of the part of this is where the real world time actually made it work better, right? Because like, I buy that there were like two in universe years or whatever between Civil War and Infinity War, and when that happened in the real world, I think it worked better, right? Because like you did have that distance, and you're like, oh, this whole time, which is like supposed to roughly mirror real time, um, so I, I you know that that's like a, unfortunately a thing you can't get back, but I think that you know like like we said. There was a lot of this stuff is unearned, and I think that's the biggest problem. Um, but yeah, so we should probably move on to Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, I really weirdly liked this movie. I kind of couldn't believe it. I remember just finding—I mean, I don't think I hated it, but I just found it eminently forgettable. I couldn't name a single character or plot point that just was not Scott Lang and Hank Pym. I—I I vaguely remembered liking. Um, the stuff with the villain, like the like the interactions with with the villain, and I also vaguely liked the the kind of like the action or whatever. But just like in general, I I all I had was those sort of like impressions in the rear view. I've never watched it. Ant Man of the Wasp again. I saw it one time in theaters. I was like, I got everything I wanted out of this, and I was and I was completely done. It was such a fucking palate cleanser watching this movie after Infinity War. Oh my god, I was just like, I don't know, I got I got swept up in it, I guess. I don't think this movie does anything special, I don't think it does anything um, incredible or unique or innovative. It is far less ambitious than Infinity War. Um, but it's just a good story told well, uh, in general. Um, I still don't quite connect to Ant-Man the character, and it's probably like a little too funny in jokey jokes, like, for me, uh, taste-wise, right? Like, this is not gonna 
enter into any of my regular rotations. But I have absolutely no malice towards this movie, and I had a good time watching it, so... Yep. I guess Ant Man and the Wasp was not that bad. <laughs> so I've I've got I've got some thoughts and and I okay. I remember disliking it but not hating it last time. Um, I've come it is I've warmed up to it. Um, and I think so. I, I I've nailed down some things that really bother me. Like I I think this read last time that like it was Paul Rudd trying to play Paul Rudd playing Ant Man. Um, and I don't think that's quite true. I think the thing that 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 I can highlight that really bothered me is they made him too dumb. Right, like he's supposed to be like an electrical engineer, and like you know, every time something smart happens, he's like, "Oh, I'm a dopey man," right? Like, um, and that really bothered me. Yeah, that actually, you know, that is that is a good point. Like something something I remember really enjoying about the first Ant Man was the thing with the the thumbprint, you know. And I, I I brought it up a couple of weeks ago where he does it in the ring, and then he pulls the it's like that I like that that is the legitimate interesting kind of he's thinking on his feet he's a smart guy moment in uh in all of it yeah and uh that they just like they give him a couple of things but like it's it's mostly he, he's just dumb and like is like good at like card magic or, or something right um I think part of this is the, the the problem or part of this problem here is that um Ant-Man doesn't arc like at all right like like there's like a little bit of a pretense to it in the first one where it's like you know he's becoming like he's becoming a hero but like it's, it's, it's he's never really a bad guy and in this movie it's, it's even worse right like you know he, there's just nothing there and um i think it's fine because like what it's supposed to be it's a fundamentally it's, it's hank pym arcing right like um hank pym coming to, to like you know being less of an asshole um and you know scott lang's just there to be kind of like the the you know the the, the actual moving body um, he does feel really perfunctory, uh, but interestingly, he actually feels better in this movie. I was really bothered in Ant-Man because I felt like the compelling story was like the C plot, but we were spending all this time with Scott Lang and the A plot, but he actually kind of falls by the wayside in this story, and the A plot really is the the interesting, compelling stuff of let's rescue, right, the the mom. I actually think that the weakest part of the movie is this stuff with him and Hope. I hate yeah. this is another between movies that all of this plot happens and you just kind of have to take their word for it or whatever. The last time we saw them, they were making out. They were they were happy. They were in a good spot. And then I'm supposed to, to learn that they they're mad. They're mad at each other now. And she thinks that he betrayed her and she's mad that she didn't get invited along to the to the big crossover movie. I that's bad. I just think that's bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a way to put some tension back in, right? Because they need something for him to do, right? Like, um, yeah. Um, and like you know, it's I I buy like kind of like the, the the small scale stakes. If you know, he's he potentially risks losing his daughter again. Um, yeah, I forgot that whole subplot, but it's great. I, yeah. I actually think it's really really good, and it creates a lot of uh, a lot of like tension and a lot of drama. I do uh, think this movie's a little overstuffed. This is a very minor point. I do think this little this movie is a little overstuffed. I really didn't like all this stuff with Walter Goggins um, as Sonny and like this criminal whatever. He's yeah. kind of. Um, I think they need to pick one villain and, and run with it. Yeah, of. you know, it just it just feels like uh, like like a I don't know like a, like a appendage hanging off the the story that just wants to get clipped and folded into some of these you know other other storylines that are more like straightforward and streamlined. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Um, I still think the best moment in the movie is Paul Rudd being, um, uh, what is it, Michelle Fyfe, being, being Janet, right? Like, like, that is like, that is like, I don't know, it just, 
it's perfect from a Paul Rudd point of view, right? Like, I don't even think he necessarily does a particularly good job of, like, being what Janet, like, what Janet's supposed to be, like, you know, or rather being, like, Janet in particular. He just, like, does, like, a really kind of, like, pretending to be a mom thing really well. And I, you know, I, like, you know, I love it. I Like, that scene is still my favorite. I love it. I love it so much. Um, yeah, I also want to highlight the music, which was surprisingly good. I normally shit on the music in these movies. Um, also, the music in Infinity War was basically bad, except for the Avengers theme, which is good and repeatable, I guess. Um, and I really, and I, and I really was surprised at how much the Ant-Man and Wasp soundtrack works. Though I do think they over-rely on that one sort of core leitmotif, like the bum, 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 They do that all the time. Uh, and so probably, you know, a little variety of would, would be the spice of life. But it feels like they picked up their music game in in these, in these like, back half of movies. Because Black Panther uh, and Ant-Man both had very good music. Mm. Oh, so very, very minor point. I, I feel like I might have uh, understood what it felt like to be you in uh, sort of a sense because this movie takes place in San Francisco where I lived for five years. <laughs> um, and when they uh, when they locate like the house where where Eva is is uh, mm. is is hiding out, it's like I walked past that pla- that spot like every day or near every day for like three years, and it does not look like that. Like, haha, I've got you, I've gotten you, Ant Man. <laughs> this is this. it is a surreal thing seeing seeing that kind of shit happen because it's just like. Woof. I mean, we're gonna we'll get to Captain Marvel, which is where it happened for me. But yeah, like that is a tough. That's just like a tough thing. I don't think there's anything you can do about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. As a filmmaker, because you know, I don't know. Yeah, the geography doesn't <laughs> always work out, right? Like, like the Lombard Street scene, right? Like the 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 following the scenes around it don't make. Yeah, and sense. all of the what is the is there like a lighthouse or something? There's like a big round building. They keep using it at to in their in their establishing shots, but I was just like. We just saw this thing, like three scenes ago. Yeah. But you want to tell me that, like, I and like that that just really fucked with my sense of geography because it's like if you keep looking at this same shot of this same building over and over again, you haven't moved. Like. Yeah. So it, it's it's Coit Tower, I think, is probably what you're referencing. Okay. Um, and that's like in the upper right section of of San Francisco near near, near the Pier District, if I remember correctly. Um, okay. Yeah. No, I mean like, um, also like. I'm, I am super surprised they didn't show the... They always show the Golden Gate Bridge, but they didn't show it like... So, the Mirror Woods, where they hide the lab, is on the other side of the bridge. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, it's like that, that seemed like an obvious... You know, it, they show that one triangle building? That's the another yeah, yeah, San yeah. Francisco building. That's the building same kind of ish area as the... Like, so, that, like... like um, So, Lombard Street... Like, so there's, like, a like a, a mountain that, uh, that kind of divides, like, that part of the city. Um, it's, like, the east side of the city... Um, like the east edge of the city, really, and there's a bunch of business building. That's where that building is. Uh, Quick Tower is a little bit further north, if I remember correctly. And Lombard Street is on the mountain that that divides the two. Um, and I, you know, I used to live on the other, just on the other side of, of that, which is what I, I yeah, I, I actually did like that stuff this time around because um, it did feel like it's kind of like showing I don't know, like the Empire State Building in New York movies. It's just like it kind of roots it in not just generic city for me, I guess. Um, so I did actually enjoy that they like went to Lombard Street and that mm. pier because I've also been to that pier, um, which I guess is that a like famous pier? I don't um, know. So that, that area there's I forget what, like there's one that's like the more famous one, but that area is just a bunch of piers with numbers on them. So okay, um, well yeah, yeah. fair enough. I maybe maybe it's a maybe very it wasn't touristy the one area. That I've been to, it's like a but, super uh, touristy yeah. area. Yeah, 
And so, and you know, it's it's nice to have those sorts of signifiers because I don't think yeah. they had them in the first Ant Man, and it just as sort of does feel like a generic. Yeah. It just sort of does feel like a generic city, I guess. Yeah, no, I I I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, but I don't know if there's I don't know if there's like a really a lot to talk about here other than I just enjoyed it more. Um, yeah, I very, did not have anything. Relatively simple movie. Um, uh, you know. Glad that like Lawrence Fishburne and and Eva can come back at some point and like be characters, right? Like I just love that Lawrence Fishburne is getting work. That boy deserves it. <laughs> it did feel a little bit ass pulling to me, like when like you know like Janet just cures Eva. Um, uh, but you know what are you gonna do? Um, I also will say that I am like I was a fan of the way they tied in the Infinity War stuff um, in like the the post post credits thing. I thought that was I thought that was clever. Um, uh, which I, you know, it's, it's important in Endgame, but you know, we find out that later. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if I have any a lot of a lot deeper thoughts on uh, on on Ant Man and the Wasp. I have no more deeper thoughts than Ant Man and the Wasp, though. It's weird that it's this far up in my in my rankings. I I found that very strange, and I never would have guessed that mm. like this might be the big upset in my in my rankings that Ant Man and the Wasp aged well. All right, well. Captain Marvel. Um, so you said that this is your spicy take time. Give me your nuclear. Okay, so this is this isn't this isn't, this isn't nuclear. The, the nuclear stuff is um is uh, I've got a potential like late breaking thought about Black Panther that will go in, okay. into afterwards. <laughs> um, the uh, so this isn't quite spicy, but so Captain I, I around the time that it came out, I remember hearing someone say that you know Captain Marvel is an anti-stoic movie um uh, might have even been you that pointed me at it or said it or something but um uh watching it again through that lens i think was, was super interesting because it's, it's definitely true right like this is a movie about embracing your emotions and rejecting rationality in a certain way right like like kind of very very explicitly um but the thing about that that's interesting is this is a uh, a space movie right and like for whatever reason marvel has decided that um, Cosmic Marvel takes place in the space eighties, as if it were Star Wars, even though it doesn't like it doesn't need to, right? And the Star yeah. Wars movies are very, very, very much stoic, pro-stoic movies, right? Like, right. you know, like reject your emotions, reject your hatred, and control yourself, right? So this is kind of like an like the, the like the, the the big thing is like this is kind of like an anti-Star Wars movie, and I think the primary problem with it is, um, or maybe maybe. Anti, maybe like inverse Star Wars, right? Like, or, or, or like, like, uh, uh, okay. I'm actually very on board for this take so far. Um, I think the big problem with it is, is that, um, is that Captain Marvel herself isn't enough, like, she doesn't arc to anti, anti stoicness, right? She is anti stoic and she just like embraces that. And so she doesn't really develop at all, right? She just like, learns to like do the things that like she was doing anyway right like you know yep. and stop and stop this fighting the, it this is the exact thing uh i absolutely agree this is the exact thing i criticized last year where i said she doesn't have an arc which makes her very boring and this story very stiff and it's a little too caught up in its own like plot twists and turns to really be emotionally engaging so yeah i actually think this one is also bad i think both infinity war and captain marvel are really like the true bad marvel movies uh i would also argue captain america the first avenger but that one's just like that was very like on the line i i i just like captain marvel absolutely did not hang together for me and um 
I think it has a lot of structural problems, and on top of that, it has a lot of sort of surface problems, too. Like, a lot, like, okay, you can get to the other side of structural problems. Movies I love have structural problems, but, like, they offer me something in return, right? So, like, okay, maybe Lex Luthor's plan doesn't make a lot of sense, but the movie is gorgeous, and the action is shot really well, or it's attacking really interesting and complex themes or whatever. Captain Marvel has zero of any of that. In fact, it is the worst of... And the Marvel movies are typically bad at action. It is the worst at action. Because all she does is shoot fucking lasers. Like, you know, something I said about the Hulk buster scene is that might be the best fight scene in all of Marvel, right? Because it does that thing where you're constant, like, a new a new thing keeps constantly happening, right? Like, oh, well, first Tony is repulsor rays, but then he brings the, the clink, 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 clink thing down, and then, oh, and then, you know, he's he's grabbing the Hulk's arm or whatever. It just, like, keeps one-upping, and you and you get to watch all of these, all of, like, your, your favorite guys do their cool stuff, right? It feels like I have two action figures in my hand, I'm banging them together. Imagination time, right? Captain Marvel just has absolutely no imagination at all. Its version of imagination is... She shoots lasers. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole thing. She just she points her fist at a thing. Lasers come out. There's like small flashes of like something more interesting or dynamic. Like for instance, when she has her hands on, she can't actually laser things. Kind of. That's like C minus action work, I guess. Um, and then there's also the like the thing with Nick Fury, which has nothing to do with Captain Marvel at all, which is just him doing hand to hand. I would call it serviceable. Yeah, well, I mean, serviceable shoes, right? Uh, Sam Jackson is an old man that like they de-age in the movie, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So just like it, the the core of this movie is too rigid, and you can't connect to it. And then it has absolutely nothing else going on for it besides that. The only thing it does is plot twists, which I would actually argue those plot twists are bad, almost. Because, like, the thing that makes a, a plot twist good, right, is your ability to go back and be like, oh, I, sh I should have seen this coming. Right. right? He, I, got, I had all the clues, but I didn't see how it comes together. I don't think that's how the plot twists in this movie work. You don't have all the clues. They hide a lot of information from you in order to make this shit work, um, which feels shitty uh, and bad. And I just felt that it it's it's not good. Uh, it's just not good. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, I'm specifically talking about the scrolls stuff, um, where you find out that oh, actually the scrolls are just refugees. This like this whole time. Those are some really angry refugees who are, like, causing a lot of civilian fucking casualties in downtown Los Angeles. <laughs> like, I don't not, know. Not only that, but also, like, have a spaceship, right? Like, and the technology to, like, pick someone's brain apart, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly! Right? Like, the very first introduction we have to these scrolls is they are, like... They're, like, stealing her memories or whatever. That seems incredibly invasive and not ethical at all. And then, like, later in the movie, it's like, oh, wait, no, I'm actually a good guy guys i'm a good guy now or whatever um and then also the thing with with dr lawson being marvell i just 
like all of that was not was not great that one is is a little bit different though because it's just you don't have enough information to really understand what's going on at all like you keep getting the flashes of like oh there's an explosion here's a here's a thing or whatever but you never actually get like a clear set of events where you can do like the dramatic reorientation of a plot twist so it's it, it's played like a plot twist but it's actually just you learning the information for the first time right um which i just also think does not yeah does not work does not get done I feel, I feel like it's just like a thing that like they try to do two things at once and it doesn't like they don't work together right like you can't have her yep. both not remember anything and then have the twist be that her mentor was a cree because like you're discovering both of those facts at the same time essentially right yeah like, that, that, that's exactly that's exactly my thing uh, and the and the worst part about it, and the funniest part about it for me, I guess, actually, is that the world building is really bad. Something that these Marvel movies have always been very good at is, like, this retroactive world building thing. Like, I mean, I shat all over Spider-Man Homecoming last week, but Spider-Man Homecoming does a really good job of this, where it's like, oh, well, we're the secret cabal of, you know, cr criminals, and we're going to make crazy stuff out of, you know, here's some Ultron arm, but we put a gun on it, so you're shooting the Ultron arm. That's actually legitimately pretty neat legitimately pretty cool and engaging right um or like these you know the 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 um the stuff with the chitauri in uh end or not end game infinity war i actually really like that i kind of wish that it was another i wish that the dogs at the end were just another invasion of the chitauri from the avengers because it was really cool seeing like oh right he invades another planet with these big space thingies and they're chomping and Gamora is there in this flashback scene. They do the same thing in Ultron with, you know, oh, well, you go underground and there's a big choppy boy because Hydra is doing this stuff with the choppy boys. There's so much really good world building in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even in the movies that I don't really like, that that Captain Marvel, for the origin story of Nick Shield, does... Or Nick Shield. Nick, Nick Fury does none of it. It's just like, Coulson is a nice guy. Nick Fury gets his eye scratched out by a cat. And it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's a, a flurgan. It's a flurgan. Yeah, funny. it's a flurgan. Remember that they Shoot make fun me. of it's... the scroll for uh, for like being being afraid of the cat for like you know quarter of the movie. It's like a it's like a it's like a Rick and Morty thing, you know? Yeah. Like what are their like? Oh, okay, gotta get a goober or whatever. I boy, I hate it. <laughs> I really hated it. So yeah, Captain Marvel both sucks, and I don't like it. So that's my thought. <laughs> Yeah, do, do do I do I have anything further further to say? Like I, I I generally agree with you on the broad strokes. Um, it also felt like there was a lot of kind of like remember the like eighties guys remember what a blockbuster was guys. There's a blockbuster and there were these things called VHSs guys guys. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember grunge guys? Uh, what there was, there were a bunch of those things, right? Like, do you, do you guys remember computers had CD drives and it took time for things to load? It took, it took you know, seconds for. Do you remember what? Cause she didn't go to Google. She goes to like Ask Jeeves or something, or like yeah, whatever the the Alta Vista, Alta Vista, Alta, yeah, Alta Vista, or whatever. There's just I don't know. I feel like a lot of that stuff is uh, I, I don't know. It's just bad. Yeah, that it's yeah. Oh, that, that's the that's the uh, other thing is I am convinced that the um, the movie she picks up was supposed to be Top Gun, but they couldn't get the rights to it or something, because like 
like because that's the only thing that like makes sense right like you know you know that's true it reminds me of the old yeller thing with with logan actually uh the, as soon as you said that i'm immediately like yep i actually think that's the movie that they're supposed to be referencing but they just might not have had whatever i mean they even call the cat goose i was also i was also surprised how much i didn't like carol in this in this go around even in like just like the abject worst of these marvel movies i typically am just like you know what they found a competent actor to sell me on this character right most marvel superheroes are just not very complex people that's fine superheroes are archetypal they are mythic they're larger than life you know like they don't have to be like deep and complex but carol really does kind of come off as a piece of shit and i don't buy her relationship with absolutely anybody except for nick fury she doesn't work with that little kid she doesn't work with her own best friend um and she really doesn't work with the villain of the movie like to law his whole thing uh, which I just hated. I just hated all that stuff. Yeah, so the, uh, the only person she has like real banter with is Nick Fury, and I feel like Nick Fury could have good fucking banter with like an empty coffee cup. Yeah. Like I, I, I think that's him, honestly. So you, you reminded me of something I wanted to bring up, which is that like so, um, we, we've got just comparing this to Ant Man, right? We've got two characters that don't really arc, right? We've got Scott Lang and we've got uh, uh, Captain Marvel. Um, the thing is, the, the fundamental difference here is that. Scott Lang is just kind of like fundamentally a decent guy like that you can't really like have a problem with like at worst he's just kind of like you know you know kind of derelict in his duties sometimes right like and he's you know kind of maybe a little bit lazy Captain Marvel is kind of an asshole and like you need to either like you need to take her down like you know the arc is usually her being taken down a peg right like while still keeping her edge for like the, the, the stuff that doesn't happen right like and like like I said before um because like like she, in order for this anti-stoic line, to, like storyline, to work, really, I think she needed to start out as like being a lot more stoic and like break out of it, right? Like, like almost like how like um, like, this would be like a Gamora storyline, right? Like Gamora loosening up and like you know learning to like trust her emotions or whatever. Um, uh, I just don't. I just, it just it just doesn't work. Um, for for the theme that they want to accomplish, I and I kind of like I think the idea is interesting, right? Like the kind of like rejection of like the. Um, the the mil like kind of like that military almost mindset of you know like you know being controlled don't let you know don't let your emotions rule you type of thing I think that's like an interesting thing to reject but I just don't think I just don't think it's done well here I think it's done incredibly poorly oh yeah I also forgot about the weirdness with the military and uh, it is I. I don't want to be, I don't like being this person or whatever, but like it, this movie is very weird from that perspective of the movie is like, boo, this, this evil empire is like persecuting like refugees with their like hyper militarized society or whatever. You know who can stop them? The American Air Force. <laughs> like, <laughs> boy, that was weird. And I, I like, you know, I, and it's, I, I don't know, man. I, I think the, the, the subject of the military in movies is really complex, and people boil it down to, like, kind of hot takes of, like, did you know that America is the evil empire in ways that I think is reductive and bad, and it's just, it's bad, right? Yeah, there, 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 are, two, like, there are two military <laughs> hot takes in movies, and one of them is either America paid for something, and therefore they're bad, or China paid for something, and they're bad, right? Like, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, it's like, you know, for instance, <clears throat> I think that there are movies where you can have like the military in in 
positive sort of situations, right? In Man of Steel, the the army is sort of a, the the avatar for humanity, right? Versus the Kryptonians, and it is about Superman and the army have to work together, and he needs to bond together with humanity. But like because they sort of fill this metaphorical role, it, it like it's fine and it and it works. Or like you know, Saving Private Ryan, where the Americans are the good guys, the Nazis are the bad guys, right? Um, or really any World War II movie for that matter, where the Americans are the good guys and the Nazis are the bad guys. Or you could do the anti-war thing. You know, the Vietnam War is very commonly right, like in film, sort of the anti-war war that you are that you are depicting. And and so and so, I think that like the role of military in our culture can can morph into a bunch of different things. You can have Saving Private Ryan, which is a great movie about these good soldiers doing their heroic duty, you know, and you can, and you can put that right next to, you know, full metal jacket. It's right. just about like, yep, we're turning these young people into psychopaths and it's terrible and it's awful. And they're both great. And they're both great films or whatever. You cannot do the boy. This evil empire is just so shitty and they're so bad to these refugees. And then your plot twist is bad because of all the stuff that we talked about earlier. Right. And then the thing that's like cool is, Oh, you know what? Being the first female pilot was great. I uh, girl boss, like I just think <laughs> yeah. boy, none of none of that. Oh, it's bad. It's like I don't know. It's just ugh. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, 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 I absolutely agree with you, right? Like it's yeah. Um, <laughs> and and you know, I, I think like like to to the movie's credit, it's not like, you know, it's like, you know, woo woo Air Force a lot of ways, right? It, it, they 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 do like lobs and criticism, but it's like just like not enough of substance there like really like dig into it at all right just kind of like yeah and then the air force hooray right like and the the worst part about this this whole thing is that like i feel bad i feel like um because like you know captain marvel has kind of taken on this touchstone in like culture wars or whatever so there are like chuds who who really hate this movie and i hate agreeing with the chuds but the chuds are right that this movie sucks, but probably for, like, the incorrect reasons, right? Like, it's not, it, you know, it doesn't suck because Brie Larson said something dumb to a reporter or whatever, you know. Uh, it just has major narrative flaws, like yeah. bad movies do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, well, we're basically at the end of the hour. Do you have anything else you want to talk about, Captain Marvel, before we move on? Oh man! Uh, so yes, the, the Los Angeles stuff they oh, do right. is yeah. so weird. <laughs> it was just as weird. I have not worked at you know like so that is the building where I worked for five years, right? Right, like like that, that train line that they fight on um, is is right over there, and like there's a part where where. The, the worst part about this is actually they use three different locations. And I didn't realize this at the time. But it's actually... Okay, so Sam Jackson is on the ground, right? And he's in the car and he's looking up at the, the, the station, right? That is one station that's near my house, about a mile away from my house. Then she's fighting, right? But she's fighting in another station, which is the next station on that train line, by the way. It's like, you know, half a mile down that train line. She's fighting at that station, not this station. And then they teleport when the train starts moving to 15 miles downtown Los Angeles. So it is like even more of a, of a like patchwork than I realized in the first part. Because um, I guess I just kind of like missed the signifiers in... 
in her like getting onto the train that I was like, wait, that's not. I've been to that station before. That is not what that station looks like. You know, that station. I think what it is is that station has this art installation of like a big hand with a with a a paper arrow or whatever, uh, a, a paper plane. Sorry, um, and it's just like so obvious and unique that uh, that I couldn't help but recognize that I was like, oh right, that's not the one that Sam Jackson is driving to. So. I don't know. Yeah. That's my other thought about Captain yeah. Marvel. All right, so we should we should probably uh, do the rankings thing. Uh, you know. Uh, so, what's your what are your what do your rankings look like now? Okay. Uh, so at the time I did my letterbox, I had Captain Marvel as a two star movie. I had Infinity War. Man, where the fuck is Infinity War in this? Uh, as a three star movie. I had uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp as a two-star movie. Uh, so I would bump Ant-Man and the Wasp up to three stars. Like I said, perfectly ser- serviceable, very reasonable. I would bump down Infinity War and Captain Marvel. I think Captain Marvel joins Captain America the First Avenger as a one-star movie. Just that bad. And Infinity War is probably a two-star movie, which... Dis dislike. So where it ends up in my rankings, all of these end up pretty low. Ant Man and the Wasp ends up under Thor Ragnarok, kind of at the high end of the of the middle of my pack, right? So between Thor Ragnarok and Iron Man Two, um, Avengers Infinity War ends up under Thor and above Spider Man Homecoming. So kind of at the bottom of the middle pack, uh, just before we get into the movies, I think are actually you know pretty not great, and I don't and I don't like them. And then Captain Marvel's all the way at the bottom, second to last, because boy, just nothing is worse than Captain America: The First Avenger, or not worse. It just nothing bothers me on the same level that Captain America: The First Avenger just fucking gets on my nerves. So my full ranking as of this recording goes: Avengers: Age of Ultron, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Avengers: Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Captain America: Winter Soldier. That's my top. You know, like the, the, these are the movies I like, right? Thor Ragnarok, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Iron Man 2, Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor 2, Hulk, Thor. These are the movies that are ma- mostly fine, right? Avengers Infinity War, Spider-Man Homecoming, Iron Man 3, Ant-Man, Iron Man, Captain America Civil War, Captain Marvel, and Captain America making out that bottom, bottom bit. So that's my full ranking as of as of this recording. All right. And so for me, Ant Man the Wasp and the Infinity War both go right under um, Avengers Thor two tie, um, uh, with Ant Man the Wasp slightly advantage over Infinity War, and Captain Marvel goes um, third up from the bottom above Incredible Hulk because um, nothing is worse than Iron Man three. Um, wow, yeah, man, Iron Man three is just like taking a taking a pounding. Yeah. I'm actually a little surprised. I think I might have guessed that Captain Marvel. Was worse than Iron Man three for you? No, it's not worse. No, it's 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 uh it's better. Or you hate it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you like it more? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like Captain Marvel worse than more. I like Captain Marvel more than Iron Man three, but mostly just because I think our Iron Man three's complete garbage. Anyway, full rankings from the top: <laughs> Ant Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy two, Thor Ragnarok, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, Iron Man one. This is kind of like the ones that I really like. Really like that's the line there. Then it's Avengers: Age of Ultron, Avengers and Thor two tied. That, uh, tied for ninth place, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Infinity War, Captain America the First Avenger, Civil War, Black Panther, Spider-Man, which are kind of like my goodish movies. And then like then we very quickly get into the, the bad to worst movies, which is Iron Man 2, Thor 1, Captain Marvel, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 3 um, at the very bottom. So, okay. 
Got well, two. after this, we only have two more, right? Yeah. So it is just end game, end game and uh, far from home. Yeah. All right, and then I'll be next week. But and I think I'll save my my, my Black Panther take for next week as well, since we'll we'll have a little okay. bit more time. So so yeah. So what we should do is we should do twenty minutes on those two movies, and then we'll do a big wrap up section. Right? Yeah. Where we with... talk about our full lists. Yeah, our and, lists. Uh, any any th- any any retreating thoughts that we have, like anything that occurs, like because because this. This, I'll tease this Black Panther take occurred to me in the shower while I was thinking about the different <laughs> villains. So, um, okay. Uh, so, so how was uh, how was your week? How was my week? Uh, I did a lot of uh, Shadowlands. Obviously, um, one of the nice things about um, Shadowlands is they have been like slowly rolling the stuff out. So, like week one, you know, it was just like. You could, the best you could do was get into Mythic Zeros. Week two, or the first two weeks, the best thing you could do was get into Mythic Zeros, right? So in WoW, you have Normal Dungeons, Heroic Dungeons, and Mythic Dungeons. Normal Dungeons have no lockout. You can just run them all you want. Uh, heroic Dungeons have uh, a daily lockout, so you can come back and run a Heroic Dungeon every day. And Mythic Zeros have a weekly lockout, right? So if you're going to do a Mythic Zero, you can't, you can't get loot from a boss until, until sort of like the next week. Castle Nathria opened up. So we did uh, a night of raiding where we got two bosses down, and I later pugged a third. Um, it's just nice, honestly, cracking new bosses. Um, I don't think that there's anything like super special about these ones, except for the second boss was really overtuned, and they nerfed him the next day. And normally this would be good enough for like for for guilds, right? Because most of the time guilds have two raid nights. Everybody raids Tuesday night because it's on the reset. Right. Um, but then you know you'll do a Wednesday raid, a Thursday raid, something kind of along those lines. Uh, for us, we only do Tuesday raids, right? Our raid is two and a half hours on Tuesday. We are, you know, like we progress, and we're gonna get you know, ahead of the curve probably, but we are ultimately a casual, uh, like a casual raid group. Um, so we wiped all night on, on Huntsman Altimore. And then he, uh, and then we finally killed him in one of those sort of like heroic. He's at 2%. Most of the raid is wiped. And it's just like up to a couple final DPS to like eke it out or whatever. And they did, which was great. Um, but honestly, it's just like, it's just, it's just fun, I guess. Um, and then Mythic Plus also opened up, which has been the sole, mostly sole focus of my time since then. Has just been going in and doing uh, and doing Mythic Plus runs. I'm surprised at how hard Mythic Plus is, uh, but this is sort of what I always wanted. When I got really hard into Mythic Plus at the end of Battle for Azeroth, it was as a heroic geared tank, right? I, we were already raiding. We had cleared normal. I couldn't get any more loot from normal. I was only getting upgrades out of out of heroic. I was picking up 470 pieces, which at the time was mythic level gear, out of you know like weekly stuff or whatever. And then I picked up. And then we picked up mythic plus, and we're running tens and fifteens or whatever. Now we're running like plus twos, plus threes, and we're like wiping all over the place, right? Because you know, partially we don't know the fights. Partially we don't know like these these mechanics. One of the things about Mythic Plus that really trains you to do is like, where are the dangerous like mobs who are doing dangerous things in trash pulls, right? Because the dangerous trash pulls, well, that's where you're gonna have to, um, you know, like put your extra time and like work extra hard and all of that kind of thing. Um, so the Uh, I just like completely lost my train of thought. Um, so the thing, so the thing with Mythic Plus is it is nice, kind of running up the ladder, fresh, 
right? Nobody has gear. Anytime something drops at the end of the dungeon, it's kind of an upgrade a lot of the time. I was pretty lucky with loot. I got a necklace. I got a ring this week, um, which there are a lot of people who did not do so well when it comes to when it comes to stuff. But like at this point, gearing is more about the weekly chest and raiding than it is about. Um, uh, than it is about like running these running these dungeons one of the things that you know because they pulled out titan forging because they pulled out like war forging or whatever the only random thing that can happen is you'll proc uh sockets on on gear sometimes um when you get a piece of gear it is the piece of gear right it'll stay that way you there's no random better one that you could happen to get six months down the line you're not replacing stuff uh very quickly so most of it is going like a, a huge decision for me is going to happen tomorrow when i crack open my end of week chest and i have four different choices because i raided three bosses and then i did 10 mythic plus dungeons over the course of uh over the course of the week um the only other thing that's notable this week that happened is layers four five six of torghast opened up which are appropriately challenging and also a fucking buttload of fun they're just an insane amount of fun and i could not be loving Torghast more. Um, I hope that tomorrow, when they open up the final two ranks, uh, layers seven and eight, which are like mythic Torghast essentially, um, that it continues to be a challenge for the rest of for the rest of the expansion. I don't want Torghast to become something that's kind of just like easy and farmable. It is fun. It's it's fun in a in a way that I haven't had in WoW in a long time, where it's like really demanding of your full skill set, right? So um, all of your class utility, all of the like the special things that your class can do that other classes can't do really kicks in in Torghast. Um, like, you know, I have not had Intimidating Shout on my bar, which is a, a warrior move that fears like a, like a group of enemies, right? It's kind of like Psychic Scream in a way. Um, I haven't had that on my bar. I didn't use it at all in, in Battle for Azeroth because it's pretty, it's pretty pointless. Um, but in Torghast, it's really useful, right? Fearing a group of enemies so that I can heal myself or whatever, um, or, or just focus on a, on a particular target, right? That's like higher priority and sending these sort of ads off in, in, in another direction is actually like incredibly useful. And I'm doing that kind of thing all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, it's making me use my racials more, right? Like war stomp is all, is getting, is getting all kinds of, uh, is getting all kinds of use. It's, um... I don't know it's just fun and challenging and a good time and uh i'm really interested to see what the twisting corridors which opens up next week has to offer which is sort of the endless mode it's not truly endless it does end after floor 18 but it is three floors stacked on top of one another so by the end of an, a twisting corridors run you're just gonna have like an obscene amount of anima powers uh which is sort of the the roguelike stuff or whatever and we'll see i don't know i guess i'll report it next week so yeah, that's my that's that's my week. That's what I've been up to. That's what I've been doing. What what about you? Well, I do want to call out that uh, apparently one of our one of our loyal chat members has pointed out that they are they were one of the DPS that uh, saved your ass in the raids. So uh, give a shout out for that. <laughs> um, that's true. Thank you. Uh, so uh, my week has two notable things. One of which is that I uh, I downloaded WoW and I I. I <laughs> I saw you on because yeah. I got into Discord because actually, so Aluria, who's in the chat, people who are listening to the cast, you can't hear this, um, but I was like scared that Mango was getting hacked because somebody was like, uh, is Mango on right now? And I was like, oh, fuck. And then I just looked at the GFC Discord and I saw that you were in there and I was just like, uh, 
is that you? <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny. Um, so it, it hasn't really like like you know dug its claws into my into my chest or anything yet. So, but I'm still enjoying it. You know, just kind of like plodding along, um, looking at the story. Windwalker Monk is apparently very good. Well, um. <laughs> that's good for me then, because I'm having. Fun. It was it was interesting because like, um, uh, like the first thing is just kind of like, you know, you know, I I, I get to this the the first a real area which is Bastion, right? Um, and uh, I uh, I go like and like I see a silver pop up. I'm like, oh boy, and like I have a little trouble with it. I'm like, oh boy, is it, the things get hard. It's like. And then, like, a little while later, I realized, no, the reason you're having trouble is because you've got, like, vastly underleveled weapons that don't do anything. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, you know, it, it wasn't too, it's, it's, it's not too bad, though. It's, 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 it's been fun kind of walking through it. Um, little things that, like, you know, like, when, when you get to the, the scene where, like, the, the sky's been torn open, it's like, why is it Gazlo and not Gallywix as the goblin leader? And I, like, go down a, <laughs> a little rabbit hole, and apparently it's, like, an off-screen thing where, like, Gallywix is like, been accused of, like, working with Sylvanas or something, and, like, peop the, the people who care about the Goblin lore are not very happy about it, but, you know. Um, really? No, it's actually, so, uh, my understanding is that it's the opposite. Which okay. Is that the, uh, the, the change from Gallywix to Gazlo is great. Because Gallywix has always been just this gigantic piece of shit, and people are just like, why? He's such an asshole. Nobody likes him. So it was nice so, that Gazlo finally got the bump up. So it's it's not the change that's the issue. It's the way they did it, which is kind of like he's like like my my understanding, and you know this is like a Reddit post because I couldn't find like okay. a, a good source for it. Is that like somebody accused Gallywix of being in league with Sylvanas, which is apparently like not particularly true. Which he's just kind of like a a greedy war profiteer. Um, and so it's like people are, are not uh, are not happy about uh, essentially the the resolution there. Um, even okay, yeah. So in chat, uh, folks are saying it is on screen, but it is small. This is true. Uh, I have actually played this scenario, but it is like locked away in a way that most people will not see. So basically, if you have a max level goblin character, you can unlock the goblin heritage armor. Um, the heritage armor is just like a special armor set that only certain races in the game have access to. In the goblin heritage armor quest, it sort of sets up that Gallywix is essentially just being a huge piece of shit and betraying the, the goblin people. And then it is then resolved in a separate scene um, afterward. So it's kind of just like... It's like a hard piece of lore for someone to to find, I guess, if that makes okay. sense. Yeah, no, because like you know, th this popped out to me because uh, you know, like I walk up, it's like it's 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 Gaslo, right? It's like they had finally put put in like a a model that wasn't the standard Goblin model for Gallywix, like recently. It felt like it's like it's like what, who the hell is this and why is why is it Gaslo? Uh, but you know, um, but uh, you know, otherwise, I'll, I'll I'll see how it goes. The bigger news, of course, is Cyberpunk came out. Um, uh, uh, Cyberpunk came out, uh, so we, we've got a, a, another uh, update from chat. It, it also talked about outside the embassy after like the formation of the Horde Council. Do you? Have, do you... Yeah. Th so this is the resolution. So the the betrayal of Gallywix essentially happens in the Goblin Heritage Armor quest, okay. where um, you are you you go through a sort of scenario, um, and then the 
so that's that's where he is the villain he's the bad guy right and then afterwards you go to the embassy and there's a short conversation where thrall goes up to gallywix and it's like hey gallywix i'm thrall and you're i'm sorry hey gaslo i'm thrall and you're now the goblin leader because gallywix is a huge piece of shit and gaslo's like great fucking about time you guys (laughs) (laughs) okay that sounds awesome um yeah so yeah no I, i i will dig deep into the goblin lore at some point maybe um uh but uh uh anyway cyberpunk so cyberpunk came out much to various and sundry fanfare and i will say the game is fun um it is okay it is it is a i'm gonna say it's a good game right like it reminds me a lot actually of like fallout um in a lot of ways i think the okay. story's better um but like that level of kind of like you know bethesda bugs level of stuff that happens and you know nothing super terrible but things that are like distracting I also haven't been able to get my hands on a good graphics card. Um, I have a I have a good graphics card for like five or six years ago, which runs the game perfectly fine, right? I get like between like forty and sixty frames on low settings. Um, um, but I have elected to put off playing the game anymore until I can get a better graphics card because I feel like that's kind of half the point of this. Like friend of the cast Monic has been like sending me screenshots, and it's like this looks really pretty. It's like I look at my screen, it's like. This doesn't look like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing better than the console players. Oh, yeah, Holy the, yeah. The current gen console players are apparently like turbo, turbo screwed. Especially like the, uh, uh, like the the lower end versions, like the PS Normal and the Xbox One S, are just like terrible. Uh, so like so much so that they're, they they apologize publicly on Twitter and offered refunds. Like, um, I was really surprised about that, but I guess I'm not that surprised about that um i do think it's do you, okay here's the question how shitty do you think it is that they like never showed this footage um ex- played like extremely like okay <laughs> so, so i am 100 positive that the reason they decided to offer refunds is because they broke all sorts of sales records with the pre-orders for this game right like like um they have like smashed all sorts of records already, so it's not a it is not a problem for them to offer these refunds, right? Like if, if it hadn't done that, I, they probably wouldn't. Um, yeah, I think it is really tremendously shitty that this is the quality that they put out for consoles, and uh, like everything I've seen so far for PC seems to suggest that like actually it's pretty representative for PC, right? Yeah. All of the screenshots, all the stuff is as expected for PC, but I guess just like PCs are so much more powerful than well, a PS. Four and uh, and an Xbox One that is just like rough. Yeah. So appara- <laughs> I'm gonna say games. apparently the PS5 and the Xbox Series X handle it fine, and apparently like the upper end last gen consoles, I guess the last gen now, are so like PS4 acceptable. Pro. Yeah, PS4 okay. Pro and Xbox One X are. God, Xbox is so fucking confusing. The, the fucking names. Question. The best part of this, by the way, <laughs> is that apparently at some point, uh, like somebody ordered an xbox series x and they sent him the wrong one because they got confused right like the like the actual retailer um oh my god yeah <laughs> um uh yeah so uh what was, what was the other thing i was gonna say um uh but yeah so cyberpunk the character creation stuff is neat not as detailed as i would like you know like they show up all these things but like you know it's like it's not like a lot of sliders. Like you get like a lot of customization in, in like a in a Bethesda game. You don't quite get that much here. You get like a bunch of different options, and you know ones that you don't normally see, which is you know like you can custom you can customize what your genitals look like and stuff like that. And that's like the the big thing. But I'm actually kind of disappointed with, um, like it's more like variations on a theme than it's like true customizability. If that makes sense, um, 
Uh, and not that it's the end of the world, right? You're first person 90% of the time. It's not the end of the world. Um, it's just not a thing that I, I, I would have preferred a little bit more control over, over, uh, over kind of like the particulars, right? Like, like sliders for like face dimensions or whatever. Um, like I said, not the end of the world though. Um, gunplay is fine. Not particularly exceptional. Um, um, and I'm enjoying it, uh, from the, from the perspective. I like it's, uh, it's been, uh, the game has been a, been a good time, but like not like it. It, it has failed to reach expectations, but mostly because it never was going to. Um, I still think it's a, a very good game um, and a game that I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I got and I'm happy to play. Um, but like for most people, I would say probably wait until it's patched, like wait six months or whatever. Um, yeah, that's generally my plan is I think I'm going to wait till it's patched. I mean, I you know, obviously it is just such a black hole in my life. Wow, right now, but I imagine that will slowly kind of like taper off um as naturally the amount of shit to do just decreases over time and um and i feel like that's probably what i'm gonna like pick up cyberpunk because i do love these sorts of games and i have to say that i am really uh there's there's a lot of stuff that i've been reading that makes me really hopeful so for instance um someone was writing out uh, a game dev that I follow was actually talking about how one of the, the kind of magical things about cyberpunk is that it's the first city that feels like a real city in one of these open world RPGs. Like what typically happens in these open world RPGs is there's like a very small number of like rooms that you could like walk into, right. for instance, or you would have something like a hub world, like on mass effect or whatever. Where it's just like you're on floors 32 and 33, but there's a gigantic city implied, you know, or yeah. whatever. If, yeah. Implied kind of outside the Deus Ex also does this. Like I unfortunately um, has like 14 people in it or whatever. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. And like, and cyberpunk apparently doesn't do that. You can walk into the city and it is an actual city and you can go into a lot of these rooms or whatever. Um, and so in the way that the, a lot of these open world games are kind of about like the wilderness, right? And about simulating fun, cool shit happening kind of between like little nodes of civilization. So like cyber, or not, uh, Skyrim is like that, yeah. for instance, right? Where you're like doing these quest hubs and then going and doing your dungeons. Um, Cyberpunk is really neat because everything is so locked to that kind of um, urban environment, and it's making like a true urban open world game. I have no idea how true that is, um, but hey, that's like a really promising thing. That's like something I've just never really seen before. Yeah, no. So I think I think it, I can definitely say it. Like you get that, right? Like if like uh, it it feels more like a city than any other game I've played. Um, the scales obviously just still not going to quite be there, but like the environments you're playing and feel like several city blocks at least what i what i've played so far um uh uh the only thing i would say there that i've i've heard or i've read about this myself and i, I haven't quite seen it because i like if you're like acting like a normal game player i think it's fine but apparently if you like stop and like watch things happen apparently like people just like walk back and forth like apparently like the ai for like npcs is just like god awful in the game like in like every way shape and form like, well, that sucks. like there's like the pathing is like atrocious and like like cars don't path right like at all like um so yeah like the and that's like a thing that I expect to get patched forward in you know the coming months so really okay I feel like a lot of the time that stuff is like bedrock functionality stuff that doesn't get that doesn't get patched out mm -hmm. um, like I've definitely seen I mean everybody's talked about but like in in chat you know uh someone asked did you guys see the penis hanging out bug. I think that one's going to get patched. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, but I would be interested to see if they do, like, real AI patches. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that one's, yeah. Um, I think I think they could, right? Like, like they they have they're generally good about post game support. Uh, at least they were with The Witcher. Um, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I still have not done Witcher stuff, which you know, everyone always talks about The Witcher and like how much you know, uh, we like The Witcher is is a real touchstone, and I do feel weird that I kind of just like whiffed on The Witcher three. I mean, every people we also talk about The Witcher two, I guess, um, but uh, I really did whiff on The Witcher three. And I'm interested to see, I don't know, what Cyberpunk looks like as my first, like, CD Projekt Red game. Uh, I mean, I, like I said, I'm sure you'll enjoy it from, like, that kind of, like, fallout perspective because it's, it's good. Um, yeah. Um, so what else is there to talk about? I don't know if I did a ton else with my week um, other than just kind of, like, breezing through some, some stuff. Uh, do I have any... Like movies or music. I, yeah, I've been watching things. I've been I've been watching more Sopranos, which just like feels weird in like current year watching watching the Sopranos. It is such a touchstone for Bush era stuff. Like they talk about terrorism constantly in that show, which like I now feels weird. But like I actually know that like at the time I also felt like it was just this very omnipresent thing because like you know I it it starts i think in 1999 so it's like 1999 through to i you know i'm really late in the show now it's like season six or whatever um 2004 or whatever um but i have i do have to say i really understand how and why prestige television kind of came out of here you it is definitely like certainly like in, in its infancy and it gets dwarfed by the better shows right like Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul is kind of like Breaking Bad, or I'm sorry, is kind of like The Sopranos, but better in a way, just because like the lawyer angle is is like really neat. Um, I'm surprised how little mafia shit happens in The Sopranos, but like it, it's kind of a, a family based show if that makes sense. And so sometimes you'll get these episodes that it's like Meadow is in college and she's having drama with her boyfriend, and I'm like, what the absolute fuck? Whack somebody. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to talk about more Gabagool, right? Um, I, I, but I think one thing I want to highlight that The Sopranos is better than anybody else is dream sequences. There are a bunch of them in the show, and the first couple, I was like, are these like a fluke or whatever? And then there's an extended sequence where Tony is in a coma because he gets shot. And he doesn't even get shot doing something dramatic. He gets shot by his uncle, who's, who is a former mobster, but is, like, slowly getting dementia. And um, and he's upstairs, and Tony, is, and Tony is downstairs. And he forgets that Tony is there, so he thinks he's being robbed. And he runs downstairs, and he shoots Tony. And it's like... And this sounds like a spoiler. And it is, in a certain sense, like, a spoiler. But it's not even, like, a real spoiler. It's like... It just happens out of, like, nowhere. It's not, like, like big drama or whatever. Um, but the dream sequences in this show are so good and true to life. You know how, like, sometimes in movies, like, dream sequences are just, like, so on point. They are so on the fucking money that it's just like, that's not a real dream. In a real dream, it's just weird shit going on. That is the kind of dream sequence in The Sopranos, right? Where, like, there's one where Tony is driving a car. He looks to his side and he sees one of his, like, big lieutenants, Right? He looks forward again, but now he's in the back seat of the car, and his wife is driving. And then he looks at the front seat again, and it's the same guy, but he's bald now. And then a caterpillar crawls up the side of his head, and he wakes up. That sounds like a real fucking dream, okay? You know what I mean? Like, interpret the symbolism of this. That'll 
fucking know. <laughs> like, and the funny part is that he goes to his psychiatrist, right? Like, part of the basis of Sopranos is that Tony is going to a therapist, right? And he and he breaks down parts about his like mafia life with with her or whatever. And he's explaining the dream to her like she's gonna decode it, and she's like, I don't know what what to do with it. Oh god, I want more fucked up dream sequences that just don't make sense. Please, The Sopranos. Uh, I mean, I need to get into uh. this. Like the, the Sopranos, the Sopranos memes are kind of like uh, are making a resurgence on the Twitter sphere. I was really surprised about that. Yeah, people are talking about Pauly over time, all all the time now. Pauly Walnuts, who uh, who I later learned because I fell down a bit of a YouTube rabbit hole of like, did you know Sopranos facts? The guy who played Pauly was an actual, like, mobster for, like, a long time. And he was, like, in jail or whatever. And then, and so they kind of, like, hired him to bring some, like, authenticity to the show. And there is nobody that is, like, more authentically, like, a gangster than than Pauly. One of the things he does is he keeps his hands forward all the time. Um, and they, they, he talks about it in interviews. It's something he picked up in prison. Because in prison, you can't have your, you, like, it's not that you can't. If you have your hands in your pockets or your hands at your sides and something you like you don't want that to happen if a prison fight breaks out you want your hands close so that you can like fight or whatever and i was just like what a crazy fucking detail but this guy spent 10 years in sing sing right so like i guess so yeah yeah <laughs> all right well uh, we're we're running up against the edge of time, and I don't think I've got anything else to talk about, especially you know more than more than Sopranos <laughs> trivia. Um, I do have one more other thing. Okay. Have you been watching Donkey's Donkey's videos recently? Yes, I have. I have. <laughs> I just want to I just want to highlight if you are somebody who like has watched Donkey in the past, please just go watch a couple of his most recent videos. This bit that he's doing is fucking hilarious. I don't want to spoil it for someone who doesn't know, but it's so funny. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I thought that the the thing that started off, I was like, this is a fluke, right? Like, he's just, this is like a one-off, good joke. We're going to go back to, like, normal stuff. Mm -mm. He's in it for the long haul, you guys. I'm I'm getting a little tired with it. Like I like uh, yesterday's video. I was not a like I was like okay, really like a, a, like and I I get it, but like I think that the videos are a little too long for them to like um, be uh, to to really resonate. Um, although I will say that uh, what is it? Um, Phil Jameson, who's like one of these very short form YouTubers, like everything's like less than a couple of minutes, put out a a recent video about um. Uh, about video essays that I thought was that I thought was brilliant. So I'll, I'll link that in the uh, in the uh, in the description of, of the episode. I'll send that along to okay. you too, buddy, because I think you'll enjoy Interesting. it. Interesting. I'm 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 on board. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, I think that's everything. Then, um, if you want to reach out to us uh, and tell talk to us about any of the things we talked about on this podcast, you reach us at subdivisionplaygames at gmail.com or podcast at subdurstplaygames.com um, or you can, you know, get in the live chat on twitch.tv slash subdurstplaygames to talk to us while we're talking. Um, you can uh, subscribe to us on SoundCloud and all the other places there are podcasts um, and you can give to us on Patreon if you really feel like it. Don't feel obligated. There's no, there's no, there's no incentives to donating other than, you know, our undying gratitude. Um, and, uh, what else? Uh, I think that's that, that. That's it. Am I forgetting anything, buddy? Also, do you want? Nope. I don't. I don't think so. You want to promote anything? 
Uh, I don't really have anything. I am doing a Buddy Gets Good this week. Uh, this is the last Buddy Gets Good of the year. So tune in. Have fun. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Akupara Games. Um, and uh, yeah, so next week we're doing Endgame and Spider-Man 4 from Home. So yeah, and if, Final if Thoughts. You want to keep yeah. up. With the, if you want to keep up with this gigantic retrospective that we are getting in under the rate, like, boy, under the wire, uh, <laughs> yeah. then, uh, yeah, make sure you tune in. Yeah, I think the, uh, what would that be, like the like the 27th, we'll probably not do, we'll probably leave, leave that off the holidays. Yeah, this is probably two, two holidays times, and then we're coming up to, we'll probably end up doing the derpies yeah. in the... Uh, in in january yeah all right so that, that's that's your content look forward to it um but until then until next time your listeners until next time loyal listeners